I think they were already gone. They were raptured. That's it. We're left. <laughs> Should have known. Like a child, <laughs> except you'd be like a child. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, Nathan's sermon was wonderful last Sunday. Thanks for that. We had seen the previous Sunday how Cain and his insecurity and feeling like he had to strive to please God, how he actually ended up displeasing God through works. And, um, and we saw his angry reaction to his own sin. And then by comparison, Nathan showed us Dave, David's humble reaction to his own sin. And uh, all that God requires is just a, a humble, willing offering of ourselves to him. And so we saw the security of David, a man after God's own heart, and um, how he was able to overcome the worst of himself, the worst thing he could, have, he could have never dreamed that he did. He was able to overcome that and come back even stronger. So um, as I said, I've, I want to be touching on this theme of identity for a while, and it, it really, I don't think, won't even feel like a sermon series, quote-unquote, because identity is, is the story of the Bible. It's the story of how Jesus' finished work on the cross gives us a new identity, and that's so, so different from religion, which focuses on behavior modification. And um, so today I want to talk about, uh, I guess I would title this something like, if we could just learn this one thing, or if we could do this one thing. There's something that I've, I've known is important. It's a spiritual practice that I've known all my life, all of my Christian life, I've known this is important, but I was just re-alerted or reawakened to this truth in very recent past, and I'm really now taking it seriously and putting it into practice, and I'm seeing the difference that it makes. So let me start with a riddle. If I were to ask you, what is something that um, is absolutely essential to your spiritual growth, that is vitally necessary for your Christian walk? It is also very safe and very easy to do. It's actually the easiest thing you can probably ever do. And yet, we in the West especially, the, the church in the West, we Westerners on the Western side of the earth, we are afraid of this thing. And we rarely practice it. Anybody have a guess? Well, there's actually probably a lot of answers, right? <laughs> I mean, it's safe, not all the time, you know? Hmm? Sharing? There's a lot of good answers that would fit this. But the one I'm thinking of in particular, and, and I would say we are, we are especially afraid of this in a corporate setting in church. We are just really like we, we don't practice this because there's this fear of it, and what it is is silence, waiting on God in silence, and I want to talk about what that will do for us today. Um, have you ever found yourself in a conversation with someone, and maybe you've got things you need to get out, right? You, 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 wanna, you need to share, right? 
But this person talks and 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 you're not getting a word in edgewise. And eventually you realize, all right, I'm there is no room for me in this conversation, right? And you kind of make a note to self. You you don't really want to rush to engage in conversation with that person a lot, right? I wonder if God ever feels that way with us. In what we call our prayer time. See, we need to realize that prayer is a two-way conversation with God. It's a two-way conversation with God. Jesus, when you read the Gospels, you see that he spent gobs of time, hours, like all night up on the mountain in prayer with God. I doubt he was talking for six hours straight. I seriously doubt it. He was spending time with the Father, the creator of the universe, and I kind of think he was probably doing a lot of listening. So prayer is a two-way conversation. So then why do we think that we should get up in the morning or whenever it is and have our devotions, quote-unquote, and it's this ritual that looks like blah, 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 like the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 And okay, I'm good. I had my devotions. I can check that off. And we go our way, and God's like, huh, I never got a word in edgewise. Maybe she doesn't need me after all. All right. She'll find out. (laughs) Well, he's probably a lot more loving and kind than that. He's merciful and patient, loving kindness, slow to anger, ever so patient. I want to talk about a Hebrew word. There's I learned from my favorite Bible scholar, some guy named Victor Dodswhite. You might have heard of him. I learned from him that there are actually seven seven different words for weight in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, in the original text. And I want to talk about what they mean different things. There's like this, this long-term expectation where you're waiting for an answer to prayer. That's one of them. But there are actually seven, seven different words for wait, each with slightly different meanings. I want to talk about this one today, damam, D-A-M-A-M, damam. It literally means in Hebrew, quiet, to quiet oneself, to rest, to be silent, to be struck dumb, to stand still, tarry, and wait. It means to wait in actual silence. And by the way, when I give you the original Hebrew or Greek, it's not because I want to sound smart. I'm not trying to impress you. I want you to understand this word of God is living and alive, it's authentic, it's reliable, it's trustworthy. One of the most common objections to Christianity is this, and I've heard it a lot, and probably so have you. Well, the Bible's been changed so many times through the years, you can't trust it. First of all, that's not true. That's just people parroting what they've heard. But I figure if I can tell you, okay, all right, well then let's see what the original text actually said. Well, there you go. You can see the unchanged Word of God, how it was originally written. So this word damam means to to be dumb, D-U-M-B, quiet, silent before God, waiting in his presence in silence. It's not necessarily waiting for something, but it's sitting with God with the intent of listening. 
That's this word, damam. Biblical silence kind of is the counterpart to what we call in other religions meditation. You know, I was thinking about a comparison between biblical silence, biblical waiting, damam. I was thinking about that as compared to Eastern meditation, which, you know, I'm not an expert, but I, I, the general idea is to empty the mind. And, and there are some benefits to sitting there and thinking about nothing, which is actually act very hard for me to do. I think I've told you this before. My husband would make a good monk. He has the rare ability to think about nothing. <laughs> I, 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 no, it's, it's a gift. I'm I have said to him, what are you thinking about? We'll be sitting on the couch, silent. I'm like, what are you thinking about? Because I got to know, right? There's stuff to talk about. He'll say nothing. I'm like, how do you do that? I'm going to try that. It lasts like two seconds. I cannot think about nothing. <laughs> it, it's a real gift. That's why he can go to sleep just like that and sleep all night. And my mind is still thinking about something. It's like the monk who received a birthday card in the mail. He opened it up. It said, not thinking about you. <laughs> Two monks were meditating. One said to the other, are you not thinking what I'm not thinking? So this is not the idea. I'm making a, a, a distinction. By contrast, when we sit in silence before God, when we practice damam, waiting on God in silence, we're not, it's not that we are emptying the mind and creating this void and thinking about nothing. Because I'm, I'm out. Like, I, I guess I, I would be disqualified immediately. <laughs> but what is actually happening See, in, in, in Eastern meditation, the idea is you, you, uh, you center on yourself, and, and the, 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 idea, the goal is to empty yourself of all of your thoughts so that you can somehow become one with the universe, whatever that means. I have no idea what that means. I, I, it makes no logical sense to me how you can become one with the universe. I, you can become one with a person, but the universe is, you know, is material. It's part of the material world that God created. I don't know even what that means. So let's talk about now biblical silence before God. See, the idea is not just to empty yourself of your thoughts, but it's to, yes, empty yourself, but it's got that, that space has to be filled with the transforming word of God. And if we don't create room and space for that, we will never hear his voice. And therefore, our identities will not be strengthened and healed and redeemed. And by that process, we are transformed. But it must begin with listening. In fact, I can tell you this. See, we're, remember, we're talking about identity this year. How do we get whole? How do we, how do we get a strong identity where we know who we are in Christ? We, I believe, and this happens all the time because I've seen it all my life, I believe we Christians can be so spiritual. We can read all the books and listen to all the CDs and watch all the TV preachers and read all the stuff and listen to every music worship recording artist in the world and do all the things. 
all the devotions. But if we never wait on God in silence, if we never practice damam, if it does not become our daily lifestyle, then we are that spouse that's blah, 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 never listening. Who wants to live with that? I mean, how would we change? Thankfully, God is loving and kind way more than we are, and he loves us in spite of ourselves, and he's teaching us. He's so, so patient. But he has things to say that will transform you and me. And until we shed some of this even religious, even good, even noble activity that gets in the way, until we do that and create space to hear God's voice, we should not expect transformation in our lives. What did I just lose? All right. So I want to talk quickly about four things that happen when we sit in silence before God. What happens through the practice of damam, quiet waiting? Number one, it gives us an opportunity to examine our hearts. See, what we are, we are actually doing, besides listening to God's voice, we are listening to our own heart to see what's in there. It's a heart exam. There's a verse somewhere in the scripture that says, break up the fallow ground. If you're a gardener, if you know anything about gardening, you can't plant seed on fallow ground. It will not take root, right? And so when we sit in silence before God, we are, we are sort of plowing up the earth of our hearts and saying, okay, is there any hardness of heart that is preventing the seed of God's word from taking root and germinating and thus bringing forth fruit in my life. Lord, will you break up the fallow ground in my heart? Will you soften my heart? There's a, uh, a verse of scripture. Uh, it's, I think it's Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Well, I'll tell you who can know it. Those who sit and silently wait and listen. Then we can find out. Oh, Oh, I'm kind of actually not any different from that person that I've been so mad at. Yeah, I do the same things. I'm just as capable. See, those are the kinds of things we discover when we, when we sit in silence and examine our hearts. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God. This was King David, who we heard about last week. Search me, O God, and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me. It actually, in the New King James, it says, know my anxieties. Wow, anxiety is rampant. I, I never heard about anxiety when I was young. That's all I hear about now. But I do believe this is a key to that. If we will get quiet and, and examine our hearts before God, and find, then we can find out, okay, why am I so anxious? And maybe this time before God is all I need to take care of this problem. Father, would you shine your light in every corner of my heart, every room, and show me what it is that's making me so anxious. Maybe, in fact, it's an, a relationship or a circumstance or a situation that I have not completely surrendered to you that I'm holding on to with a tight fist, and I'm creating my, my own anxiety. See, those are the things God can show us when we wait in silence before him. 
By the way, every scripture I'm giving you today actually has this particular Hebrew word for waiting in silence, damam. This is the one. I picked this. The ones with this specific word for wait. Psalm 4.4. Be angry and do not sin. Did you know that's possible? Jesus was angry, but he never sinned. He got angry. It says, be angry and do not sin. Well, how do we do that? We bring our anger to God and we sit there with it silently. And we, we bring it before him and say, okay, why am I angry? See, if we would do that more, we wouldn't sin with our anger. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Damam. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Let's look at Lamentations 3, verses 25 to 36. This was written by Je uh, Jeremiah. He's in this horrible, awful place in life where it looks like God has been so unfair to him. He's been preaching the truth to the people. They don't want to listen. They have taken him and thrown him. They've locked him up, and he's walled in in this torturous, horrible situation. Right? It's sort of a, a dungeon-type situation where he's actually enclosed in these very tight walls. He's kind of in solitary confinement. And look what he says in this situation. I mean, how would you? I'd be all like, God, get me out of here. Emoting all over the place, blubbering, <laughs> whimpering, one huge pity party. What does Jeremiah say in this situation? Lamentations 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who damam, those who wait for him. Actually, I'm not positive if that is the one, but it's in here. I'll get to it. Uh, no, it's, it's not that one. We'll come to it. That's a different word for wait, but it's the same thing. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and quietly wait Wait quietly, I believe that's it, Damam, for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent. There it is, Damam. Because God has laid it on him. What? Well, let's go on. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him. And be full of reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly. Hear this. God does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men to crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth. To turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High or subvert a man in his cause, the Lord does not approve. In other words, to summarize this passage, I believe it is saying sometimes God will allow us to be walled in, to be backed into a corner so that he can get us, I guess I'll put it this way, to shut up. <laughs> you know, to stop fighting and kicking and screaming and find out, okay, what is it that God would, would like to work in my life to teach me 
And maybe I've been so hard of hearing that he's had to allow me to end up in this place so that I will finally be quiet and listen. And remember, he does it out of love and compassion. It's not in his heart to willingly afflict nor grieve the children of men. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Sometimes God just waits for us to finally be quiet and listen to what it is he's been trying to get at in our heart of hearts. So that's the first thing that happens when we get quiet before God. We can examine our heart. The second thing is we get divine direction. I can tell you this. For me, I'll speak for myself. I would say probably 90 or 90 per, 90 or 95% of the time that God has given me specific direction has been through silence. I very rarely have any noise going anymore. I used to all the time. Good noise. Good noise. Holy noise. <laughs> you know? But I've just learned that if I want to hear God's voice, I've got to create space and declutter my mind for him to speak. Even the direction for this sermon I'm giving you right now came through being quiet. I had two different ones. And as I got quiet, God said, no, not that one. Then I had another idea. No. And finally, I heard this. How ironic. It was in the silence that I heard speak this message on silence. We get divine direction through silence. Did you know before choosing his 12 disciples, it says Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed all night. And the next day in the morning when he got up, he chose his 12 disciples. That knowing who to choose, I guarantee you, did not come through a lot of noise and mind activity in Jesus' head. It came through waiting in silence and listening to hear God's direction. So number one, our heart is examined. Number two, we get divine direction. Number three, there's a strengthening of our identity when we practice Dhammam, when we sit before God in silence. James 1.23. James 1.23 says this, and this is where I want to talk about how we can bring the scriptures into this time. Because, I, you know, it doesn't have to look a certain way. You know, you can sit before God in silence just like this. See, unlike Eastern meditation, there's no formula for how you have to physically position yourself. You can just sit, you can be on the floor you can be like this, or you can be like this. And this scripture I'm going to read speaks to this. Sitting before God in silence with the word open. How do we combine the two? How do we incorporate the two? Let's look at James 1.23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Okay, this is the person that they've sat in church all their life and they never really change. That's who this is describing. They don't actually do anything that makes them look any different from anyone else, okay? Why does that happen? I'm going to show you why. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets 
what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's this, that's God's word, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, the Greek is stay, lingers there, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. See, so many times, this is what our, our daily walk with God looks like. Okay, I got to do my devotions. Well, what am I reading today? All right, yep, I got to read this and this and this. Okay, read it. Yep, good, I'm done. And we go our way. <laughs> and we wonder why we never change, why nothing ever changes, why we're still beaten down, <laughs> right? Why, why we're still so weak and can never seem to rise above the voice of the enemy. It's because we're letting his voice speak louder, Louder than this voice. And, the, and James is comparing this to a mirror, right? We would never just take a quick glance in the mirror and, and walk away. We linger. I can tell you I have verifiable proof, having raised four girls, that the longer you linger in a mirror, the greater the transformation happens. that happens. And the longer we sit in the word of God and not cram... You come, you come upon something that speaks to you, you sit with that, and you close your eyes, and you sit with that in silence, and you say, okay. And a lot of times, I will then close the book because I don't want to read anymore. I don't want, to, I don't want in spiritual indigestion. I don't want to cram too much to take away from what just spoke to me. That's damam, waiting in silence before God with his word. Stay in his word. I saw a cartoon of two dogs, and they're meditating. One dog looks at the other and says, you know, the key to meditation is learning to stay. All right. But we all, 2 Corinthians 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18, this verse speaks to what I just read about God's word being a mirror. But we all, with unveiled face, being real before God, taking off the veil, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, this is where we find that, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. But it only takes place through lingering in this mirror, lingering. The longer we look, the more we begin to realize who God says we are, and we will be transformed into that image. Wow, really? This is how God sees me? Wow, this mirror is so different from the distorted mirror that Satan and the world and my own head puts up in front of me every day and makes me think that's who I am. If we would get out of that mirror and start getting into this one, which brings clarity, clarity, this is who you are in Christ. This is who I've created you to be. If we would linger in that, linger in that, Clean off the mirror, polish it off, and linger. That's where the transformation comes. Remember, transformation, change in behavior follows a change in identity. We have to know who we are in Christ. Finally, last point. So we've got heart. Our heart is examined. We get divine direction, strengthening of identity. And finally, number four, through this practice of damam, sitting with God in silence every day, we find true inner peace. 
That is the goal of the other religions and meditation as well. It's the same goal, but different process and I believe truly different results because this is a true inner lasting peace that is absolutely independent of circumstances. Psalm 37, 7. Psalm 37, 7 says this. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You have somebody, and maybe it's just the devil, trying to bring wicked schemes to pass in your life, and it's causing you to fret. This written by a man who was hunted down for years by a killer, a jealous madman, David, with King Saul. He writes these words, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of a man who brings wicked schemes to pass. That word, uh, wait patiently, is damam. Sit in silence before God. That is where our peace comes. Psalm 62, verse 5 and 6. Again, King David, Psalm 62, verse 5 and 6. My soul, wait silently for God alone. This is Damam. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. I want to be honest with you. I had one day this week where I skipped this. I got up in the morning and hit the ground running. I had so much to do. But you know what? We make time for the things that are important. We always do. We always do. But I thought I could just skip this quiet waiting before God and just rush through the day. You know, maybe I put the scripture on and turned it on as I was driving. That's a good thing. That's a different kind of, that's this meditation. That's a different word, and that's a good thing. But I never took the time to sit and prepare my heart for the day. I ended up with a splitting headache by that night that lasted all, all the next day. Stress. Letting things get to me because I never took the time to prepare my heart before the Lord and let him speak to me the truth that I would need to face that day. Boy, did I learn. Boy, am I still learning. Psalm 131, verse 2 and 3, last verse. I'm learning from Nathan. I heard him last week telling y'all he's going to get you out of here early. I heard that. I thought, yeah, I can do that too. You watch. Psalm 131, verse 2 and 3. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. What do we need weaning from? All the stuff and noise and fixes, the temporary fixes that we gather up and heap upon ourselves thinking that is what's going to bring us peace. And it never does. <laughs> it's just distraction and noise. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, O church, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Amen. You notice he says, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. This is something we have to do. <laughs> we have to do ourselves. In closing, doesn't that sound wonderful? In closing, I want to do two things. Number one, issue a challenge to you for this week. 
I would like to challenge you, and I would like for you to come back Sunday and tell us about it, those of you who want to. See every day, maybe starting today or tomorrow morning, how long can you practice and maintain Daman? Try it. How long can you sit and know, not think about nothing, because I can't, maybe you can't either, unless you're Dave. How long can you sit in silence before God? Now, you might be wondering, well, what does that look like? Well, like, what are you actually thinking? Here's how it looks like for me. I have my chair, my special chair. Of course, coffee, always coffee. I just sit before I ever open the word, and sometimes I do, you know, but I just, the main thing is I've just, I'm, 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 instead of centering on self, see, that's Eastern religion. It's all, you center on self. Well, how's that working for the world? We complain that everyone's so selfish, and the result of all the bad news we're seeing is selfish humans, and yet we want to meditate on ourselves. Hello. No, no, no. This is a medita- a focusing on the God of the universe, our creator, someone outside of myself who loves me unconditionally. That is what I need, and that is you ne- what you need, and that is what the world needs. We need to know we are loved by someone outside of ourselves. So my silent meditation, my focus, my centering, if you will, I am centering my mind on God and his love for me. In other words, I can sum this up by saying, Damam is sitting and letting the Lord love me. That's it. I don't say a word. It's his turn to talk. And maybe what I'm thinking, probably mostly, what I'm thinking is, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Wow. You still love me? Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And I just sit in that awareness, and I just I let it seep into those cracked places. I, I allow the fallow ground to be broken up so that that truth can take root and bring forth fruit in my life. I just sit with that, and that's where I start. And, and then eventually, I'll, I'll hear some things, maybe not right then, but throughout the day as I continue to practice damam. I'm washing the dishes. I'm choosing, this is a mindless activity. I can make this a damam space. I can listen to God while I'm doing this mindless activity. So many times that's where God actually has given me life-changing direction. Change the whole course of my life while I'm doing dishes. Because I chose to make that a quiet space to listen to God's voice. So I challenge you this week, try it. See how long you can do this every day. It will take practice. And then if you want to, let's talk about it and hear how you did next Sunday. And I want to close right now by just practicing. This is how we're going to close. My soul waits silently for God alone. Let's do it. Let's examine our hearts And just see right now what the Lord would speak to us as we go. Let's close our eyes and listen.
Father, would you teach us, Lord, to wait silently before you? I pray that as we do that, we would examine our hearts, Lord, not just in our relationship with you, but Lord, I pray that through sitting there and coming to understand the love that you have for each of us, I pray that we would then begin to examine our hearts toward each other. I pray that you would shine the light in every corner of our hearts concerning our attitudes toward others, Lord, because that is the litmus test for our relationship with you, God, so that your church will be unified and strong and victorious. Thank you for who you are transforming us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So write down what you hear this week as you're waiting in silence, and uh, I'd love to hear about it next week. All right, you may be dismissed.